So uh, the old preacher had spent 40 years pastoring in the same church and was highly respected in the community. The end of his life was drawing near, and as he lay on his deathbed, he asked for the local banker and the local lawyer to come and spend his last hours with him. Now both were impressed that they would be asked uh, and discussed among themselves what great pearl of wisdom the old pastor wished to share with them. As they entered his room, he motioned for one to sit on his left and one on his right, and they sat down, and a great peace came upon the man of God. Thirty minutes passed, and not a word was spoken. Finally, the banker leaned forward and asked, Reverend, we were wondering what great pearl of wisdom you may want to share with us since you called us here. The old preacher looked at him and replied, As you know, Jesus has been my example all my life. And since he died between two thieves, I decided that's the way I wanted to go as well. Oh, now if you're a banker and a lawyer here this morning, that was not intended to offend you in any way. It's just a joke, okay? Just a joke. We love bankers and lawyers. They're wonderful people. And God bless you all, okay? You know, I remember when I was a child... Um, and, and it's kind of a, a vague memory. I was pretty young, and so I don't remember a lot of the details, but I remember that, that a house in our neighborhood, there was a house fire one night. And, and I remember um, the fire trucks coming down the street. Nobody was harmed or anything like that, but um, you know, it was one of those events in your life that, that kind of stands out. And... Uh, I remember watching the trucks go by and, and the police and all the, the vehicles down the street. And, and we as a family were just kind of standing out on our front step watching what was going on. And you could look down the street and all the neighbors were doing the exact same thing. They were coming out into their front yard to see what was going on. They wanted to see what had happened. You know, the thing that I learned that day as a little boy is that a fire causes people to pay attention. And this morning, I'm going to begin a message series called In the Fire. And I want to talk about um, three instances in the life of a man named Moses, who if, if you've read any part of the Bible before, you probably heard of this guy. He's one of the more famous guys in there. And uh, there were three instances in his life where he encountered the fire of God, and, and I want to walk through those things, and we're going to look at the first one this morning, and um, you know, what I've found in my life is that God tends to find a way to find us wherever we're hiding. Um, a few years ago, and I'm going to say a few years ago because I don't want to date myself, but um, I was a college student at the time, and uh, there was a stage in my life where I would say I was hiding from God in plain sight. You see, I was still going to church every single week. In fact, I was leading worship every single week at both services and again on Sunday night. I was leading in the, our youth ministry at the church. I was very committed. I was attending a Christian college and studying to be a pastor, and I had even lined up my internship for the next summer. And through that process, while I was um, 
maybe very visible for everybody that was attending my church, there was something going on in my heart that wasn't right. And I wasn't spending time in, in the Word of God. I wasn't spending time in prayer. I had started to kind of get into some other things that, that maybe didn't necessarily reflect the life that I had chosen to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior. And as I was going down that path, I was in a very dangerous place. Because while everybody thought that I was doing great, inside I was broken. And I was separate from what God was, was really wanting to do in my life. And I remember just this like moment of brokenness before the Lord. In fact, I only got drunk once in my life. But I remember that night like it was yesterday because I woke up at 3 in the morning, and I knew it was 3 in the morning because I woke up vomiting on top of my alarm clock. Now, if you can imagine that, uh, and maybe you don't want to, <laughs> but like that was a low moment for me. And so as I was taking my alarm clock and walking it out to the dumpster at 3.30 in the morning, I just felt God speak to me in that moment, in my brokenness that nobody even knew I was broken. And God found me in that brokenness. And he began to speak to me and give me some direction for my life and reminding me that even though I had failed and even though I had fallen short of, of what he had for me, that he wasn't done with me yet. And finding me in that moment caused this resolution in my heart that something needed to change. And I was ready at that moment to completely surrender to Christ and change from, from the path that I was headed down and trust Him completely. And that moment was a turning point for my life, and it set the course for the rest of my life. And I can tell you since that moment, I've never even been tempted to go back in that direction again. And God has proven Himself faithful time and time again. You know, I think it's so easy for us as Christians to play the game. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're playing the game. You're going to church. You even know how to like lift your hands during worship so people think you're very spiritual. But inside there's nothing. It's dead. And maybe God is speaking to you today and he wants to call you back. He wants to bring you alive again. He wants to, to reignite something inside of you again. And I want to look at the life of Moses because he was kind of in a similar situation. You see, Moses was a very special child. When he was born, God protected him, even though all of his uh, peers were being killed by the Egyptians. But God in his provision, knowing that he had a plan for Moses' life, protected him and set him up so that he was actually raised in Pharaoh's palace by Pharaoh's daughter. And throughout this process, Moses knew who he was. He, he, was, he was not only raised in, in Pharaoh's palace, but he was also, um, his, his primary caregiver was his biological mother, who was a Hebrew woman. And God arranged and orchestrated all these details to prepare Moses for the plan that he had for him. But Moses, in his short-sightedness, 
did like many of us do and, and fell short of God's plan for him. And, and in a moment of rage, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the Hebrews. And he intervened in a way where he actually killed the Egyptian. And so now he knew he was in trouble and that he had to run for his life. And he ran away and ended up in the wilderness and uh, actually met his wife there and uh, his father-in-law who kind of became key figures in his life. And, and it would have been so easy for Moses to just kind of fade into the distance and his new life and his new existence and walk away from all that stuff in his past. But God didn't let him hide forever. Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 3 the story of how God found Moses in his hiding. And I want to read through this and, and maybe just kind of observe some things as we go. And we're not going to read through all of this, but I'm going to kind of jump uh, and skip. And, and so I'm apologizing to Ariana back there because she's going to have to try to stay with me this morning. So uh, it's not her fault. It's my fault. Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Okay, now, fire by itself, and I don't know if this was at night or during the day, but I like to picture it at night because that seems more exciting, right? Fire stands out a little bit more at night. And so imagine seeing this bush on fire in the middle of the wilderness now. Unless there's like a, a lightning storm or something like that, like usually plants don't spontaneously combust. So already there, there's something going on. Like this is not something that's normal. And then imagine how weird it would be, what it would look like to go and see a bush that's on fire, but like the leaves aren't burning on it. Like that would mess you up, <laughs> right? And so Moses is like, so, and here's what it says in verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, a lot of people believe that Moses actually wrote the book of Exodus. So he's telling his own story. And honestly, I think he's being kind to himself. I really doubt he actually said those words. He probably was like, what is that? But that doesn't sound as intelligent as, I will go over to the bush and see what this is all about. Right? <laughs> So he heads over there, and he's looking at this bush. And verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now he's freaking out. Like, I'm sorry how dignified he thinks he might be at this point. The bush is not only on fire and not burning, but it's talking to him. Okay? And Moses said, Here I am. Again, he's probably more like, uh, here I am. <laughs> like, what's going on? Do not come any closer, God says. Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. Now, if a bush tells you to take off your shoes, guess what? You're taking off your shoes. I don't care who you are. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the God of Jacob. And notice what Moses did at this point. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses is still hiding. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. See, that was pretty good. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians oppressed them. So now go I, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people in the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses forgot this part, but he was like, huh? <laughs> but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, here's God's response. I want you to hear this this morning because this is the important part. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, that is an overwhelming calling. Okay, Moses, um, I know you're like in trouble with the law right now. And if you go back to Egypt, they're probably going to throw you in prison. And uh, you're already a coward because you already ran away in the first place. But hey, I'm going to talk to you through a bush right now and send you back to Egypt to lead your people out of that land and into the land that I've chosen for them. Now, can you imagine, like, the trepidation that Moses is feeling right now? Like, he's probably feeling a little bit nervous. He's probably feeling terrified. And the rest of chapter 3 goes on. God gives him some instructions, some details. And we're not going to spend time there this morning because I want to get to something else that happens right after that in chapter 4, verse 1. Because now Moses... After God gives him the explanation, now Moses had a little bit of time to process this. And what he's done is he's had a little bit of a time to think of some reasons why it should be anyone but him. Have you ever been in that situation where you've thought, okay, God, I, I see that this needs to be done. You need to raise up somebody to do it. And God is maybe saying to you, well, if you see that it needs to be done, maybe you're the one that I'm calling to do it. Now, that might be a scary thought. So Moses answered God in, in chapter one or chapter four, verse one. What if they do not believe me and listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Because who's going to believe this story, right? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? You know, our first excuse often to God is, I don't have what I need to do what you called me to do. And just like God answered Moses, I believe that he answers us often, 
What's in your hand? What do you have that I've given to you? You know, some of us are so unaware of what God has made us to be that we don't even realize the gifts and abilities and talents that he's given to each one of us. You have things in your hand. You have special, unique gifts and abilities that God has given specifically to you to be used. And if you're not using those things, then you're wasting them. So what is in your hand today? What has God given you? What things has he, has he given you the ability to do? Moses replied literally. He said, a staff, right? Like, not, not like metaphorically, like, well, let's see, I'm good at this. I'm, no, I actually, I literally have a staff in my hand. <laughs> God said, I can work with that. Why don't you throw it on the ground? And so Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. Now, he said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And Moses said, uh-uh. <laughs> no, he actually was obedient. He reached down, grabbed the tail, and it turned back into a staff. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. That's pretty impressive, right? Well, you know, if you skip ahead in the story, you actually hear that, that Moses did that, and now all Pharaoh's magicians went and did the exact same thing. God said, okay, well, I'll show them. Moses' staff ate all the other snakes, right? It's pretty awesome. So the Lord said, because obviously he knew he was going to need more than, than just the trick with his, his staff. The Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, um, it had become leprous. It had become white as snow. So imagine how much he's freaking out at this point. Like he puts his hand inside his cloak, pulls out, and now he's got leprosy. He's like, God, like, how is this a good thing? Right? Now put it back inside your cloak. And Moses put it back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored. The Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, then take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. God has some pretty messed up signs, okay? Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, for I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Okay, God, those tricks are good. Like, that's cool. But hey, you know what? I'm just... I'm not a good public speaker. Like, I get nervous. I stutter. Like, I, I'm just not your guy. Like, I, I think your plan is great, God. But you should probably find somebody else who's, who's a little bit more confident. Um, they can speak. You know, let's, let's, let's get somebody else on this. <laughs> this, is, this is great. Then the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now go, and I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So in other words, first look at what's in your hand, what God has already given you, and then trust him to give you the rest. If we really believe that God has called us to do something, then we have to believe that God is going to give us the ability to do what he's called us to do. We're starting to run out of excuses, but Moses is not done yet. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. I'm out of reasons. I'm out of excuses, but just please send someone else. Have you ever been in that boat before? You're like, okay, God, I know what needs to be done, but I'm not sure I'm going to like how it's going to turn out. And, you know, I might have to confront somebody or I might have to do something that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I might have to, like, step outside my, my comfort zone. And I'm just not a fan of that. So just pick somebody else to do it. That's a bad idea, by the way. Here's what happened. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Okay, this is the same God who's, like, has a bush on fire right now, okay? All right. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? He said, okay, fine. Your excuses. I know he can speak well, and he's already on his way to meet you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help you both speak and teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. God is not interested in your excuses. You know, maybe some of you have come here this morning and you've learned how to play the game and you've learned how to show up at church and, and you've given God an hour and a half of your week. But God is not interested in an hour and a half of your Sunday morning. He's either interested in your whole life or it's nothing. If you're not willing to surrender every part of your life to Christ, then you aren't truly his. You know, we can come up with a million excuses why we don't fully surrender to the call of God in our life. Well, you know, I, I don't even like to go to church because the pastor's boring and he's not good looking enough. I mean, none of you have that excuse. <laughs> but maybe people who go to other churches, they might feel that way. Or somebody, yeah, right. <laughs> that was a pity clap right there. I know what that is. No. Or maybe, maybe, I mean, it could be anything. Maybe it's like somebody at church offended you once. So you're thinking, hey, if, if that's what following Christ looks like, I don't want to be a part of that. Or maybe it's, you know, I just, I'm not a morning person. I don't like to go to church on Sundays. 
maybe it's like, well, listen, I have a schedule. And so God can fit in my schedule on Sundays, but listen, I have me time on Mondays or Fridays or whatever it might be. So if God stays out of that, then we can work something out. But if not, we're just going to continue hiding. You know, we can come up with all the excuses. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. There's somebody that could do it better than me. But if we're not willing to trust God enough to say, okay, God, I believe you can use me, then we'll never see him actually use us to do something awesome. I'll tell you what, I find no greater joy and fulfillment than being a part of something as amazing as God's church. I mean, every week I get up here to speak and I think this this could really bomb. Like, you know, okay, I'm serious. I have this thought. Like, like you know, I, I wrote these words down and I had these ideas and I've studied God's word and like, what if it doesn't connect with anyone? And what's amazing is because it's God's word, it always does. It has nothing to do with me. It's when I'm willing to get out of the way and let God say what he wants to say and do what he wants to do that we find, like, that's when people's lives are changed. Can I tell you something? I have never given a motivational speech that has changed anyone's life. I, maybe I've tried, but only the word of God has that power to impact somebody and to actually transform them and change them. You can go home and, and find motivational talks on YouTube if, if that's what you're looking for. But if you're here this morning, I hope you're here to encounter the presence of God and to allow his presence to change you. Folks, it's time we stop boxing our lives into little sections. Like, well, this is my work life. This is my home life. This is my hobby life. And then this is my church life. We create these little silos separating out these different compartments of our life. When God is saying, I want to be integrated in all of those areas. We just talked about this with our leadership team last month at our board meeting. And how this is like, this is something that we, is, we want to see for our church. That when people walk out the door on Sunday morning, that that's not like the end of their spiritual journey for the week. But that they realize that when they walk out, the presence of God goes with them. And impacts everything that they do at their job on Monday. Just as much as he's here with us on Sunday morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're hiding in plain sight. And you've given God the opportunity in the past to speak into your heart and you know that there's something real there. But you've kind of let that get crowded out by all the busyness of life, all the things. They're not even bad things. They're just things. And God wants to be a part of more than just that short little time on Sunday morning. He wants to impact every decision you make. He wants to be a part of your whole life. 
And if you're willing to trust him enough to give him that part of your life, to give him everything, it will change your life so much for the better. You will experience fulfillment and joy that you've never experienced before as you do that.